0: Hello, I'm Chris Rawlinson, founder of 42 Courses and welcome to the 42 Courses podcast. This week we're chatting to Steve Harrison. He's a brilliant gentleman, uh, legendary ad man and we're going to talk about his new book called Can't Sell, Won't Sell. Uh, We'll talk about purpose in advertising, honesty and respect in advertising and often it's lack of it uh, and a bunch of other things. So hope you enjoy. Steve, so lovely to see you, (laughs) thank Um, you.
1: And you, Chris, and you, thank you for for having me.
0: Oh, what an honour. So, yeah, Steve is an incredible ex-ad man uh, and used to run all the things at Ogilvy, run his own agency that was incredibly successful, has written uh, four books.
1: Four books, yes.
0: Four books that are all absolutely incredible. So uh, I advise everyone to go out and buy them right away. (laughs) And I uh, thought today we'd, we'd chat about his latest book, which is Can't Sell, Won't Sell. Um, and this is a COVID-19 special edition I've got in front of me now. But uh, um, yeah, the, I mean, the book's brilliant. And, and I, I was just saying, find it very funny that we're having this conversation after just finishing a course on good advertising. But anyway, uh, Steve, welcome. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what oh, you've been wow. up to? I-
1: very cool. Um I, um, I yeah, I've, I've written three, four books, I think. Um, the last one was How to Write Better Copy. Uh, I then actually made a documentary in Portugal about a, a village there, um, and wrote a book about that. But that was a, a detour, really. So this was—it was nice to get back to writing in a language that I that was my own. Um, and I think it's the most important book that I've written. That sounds a little portentous or pretentious, yeah. but I think it's the most important book that I've written. Um, I, I, the idea came to me, or the need to do it came to me uh, after I'd been talking to our mutual friend, Patrick Collister, and he yeah. pointed out a rather astounding statistic to me. He said that at that year's Cannes Advertising Festival, of the 28 entries that picked up a Grand Prix, only six of them had an increase in sales as an objective. And I thought, well, I mean, that's, that's astounding, good God. I mean, I've been out of this racket for a while, but I didn't expect that kind of a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I looked further into it, and, it, and it, alas, it wasn't an aberration. Um, and if you look at Walk's 12 most awarded campaigns for this year, for example, you will see that only five of them uh, would, uh, would lead to somebody putting their hand in their pocket, getting out their debit card and buying something, uh, while seven of those 12 are aimed at solving social, economic, environmental problems as perceived by people of a progressive liberal left tendency. Um, and so, and this is, this is at the top, it goes all the way down to juniors. If you look at campaigns, cream awards campaign, trying to identify the young upcoming, coming talent each year, and they set a brief to, so that, you know, young, young kids coming into the industry and of the 20 winners, 17 of them were social purpose campaigns. Only yeah. three, and perhaps I'm being pretty generous with that because one of them was was well, I, I was incomprehensible. Um, yeah. Three, only three, would result in somebody actually buying something. So yeah. it just worries, worried now, and, and and you know, and that that was the kicking off
0: point for the book. You know, we've forgotten how to sell. <laughs> That's uh, David Ogilvy's thing: we sell or else. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I guess What's there's funny a... funny about that,
1: because I actually looked on the website, because you know as well as I do, an yeah. old Ogilvy hand, that was uh, that was emblazoned on the wall of every agency yeah. in Ogilvy well, 145 Ogilvy shops yeah. around the world. I saw it every day and when I came in. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not there anymore, nor is any reference to selling in any of the top 10 agencies' websites in the UK. You know, you can go through it, and none of them talk about and ultimately we're going to sell your stuff for you
0: yeah it's, it's an interesting one I mean I guess yeah I guess the the anyone just joining us like the, the whole point of this conversation is I think that it's it's healthy and really important to look at the other side of things I mean and I think particularly in advertising we have a tendency to to kind of drink drink our our own kool-aid a lot of the time so um yeah i mean the fact that you've taken the time to come out and write this book and research it properly as well it's really brilliant um but yeah i mean i I don't know if you want to tell us kind of a little bit more about about the book and um i mean i know why you've written it um but uh you know why i i know that I think that the latest lesbianese study um, which are always kind of the ones that' quoted have, yeah. have shown a bit worryingly that, that as you were kind of alluding to earlier that creative work or awarded creative work is not necessarily as effective as it as it was before I mean it's still more effective than non-creatively awarded work but it's 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 cut down by sort of I think it was about a half or something I don't know if you can oh, go I, into that a bit more. I'm under the impression, actually, that,
1: that the award-winning work that Les and Peter Fields looked at isn't any more effective. Uh, it, it doesn't deliver any greater ROI than, than the average bog-standard work that does not, doesn't mm. win awards. Uh, and uh, hence, this inspired the IPA. This drove the IPA into action, with, 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 and they, they declared there's a crisis of creative effectiveness Hmm. Um, and we have got brand brand building, long term brand building is, is in is in rapid decline, according to Les and Peter.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and the short term sales activation is where the budgets are going. And where yeah. the budgets are going. But as P, as Les said to me in an email, he says that the people in digital who are doing the short term sales activation, this is this kind of plays to my thesis in the book. That they are ideologically against brand building, because they see brand building as manipulative and deceitful, and so they they don't mind chasing you all over the internet, shouting yeah. offers and deals at you, because because they feel that this is an honest approach to advertising, as opposed to that horrible deceitful stuff that people did in the past.
0: Yeah, it make, that it makes sense. No, I I agree. Uh, I think it's interesting because you've got, particularly with COVID this year, you, you've, you know, online, online advertising for years has been increasing. I, I'd imagine it's only increased even more now. And, you know, even if I look at our own business, we, we, we have tiny advertising budgets, but I know that, you know, we spend probably the majority of our budget on, on performance driven advertising, which is very much here is a product. Do you want to buy it Here is a product? Do you want to buy it? There's, there's not. It's not there's not a huge amount of creativity um, in it, um, but it no. it's, you know the thing is that it's very easy to measure and maybe that's part of the problem as well and that if you've got uh, some one thing that's very easy to measure um, yeah. versus something else which you kind of know instinctively is right, like as though I know instinctively that if I spent I think it's the, their recommendation is to spend around seventy percent of your budget or sixty percent of your budget on brand building long term exercises. Um, that that really helps you as a brand, I know, um, yes. but but you don't see there's not a clear line between that and your bottom line, and it's so hard. I'd imagine it's if I find that hard, I'd imagine it must be so hard if you're a marketer at a brand like uh, I don't know Unilever or P&G, oh. and you're trying to tell your boss, uh, yes, you know <laughs> we we spent all this money on great great uh, brand building, a- advertising, and, and you can't draw that direct link. Um, I yeah. mean how how do you think how do you figure that out how do you think do you, is there a solution well i i think that uh we have
1: we have we have lost the uh, advertising agencies have lost the respect of the cmo the cfo and the ceo um yeah. there's a great quote from in a book by benjamin brown the chief marketing officer at samsung europe and in his book, Build Brilliant Brands. He says, CFOs and CEOs have no interest in joining the meeting when a creative agency comes knocking. And by and large, it will be the CMO who handles it. But trust me, when someone like McKinsey is at the door of a company to talk about marketing, it's not the CMO who opens it. OK, so we've lost the trust and the respect of the people who, who actually make the decisions, I think. Um, and I th- I think that, that that, that and so when we, if we did go to them and say, actually this, the, the campaign that we're proposing to you is a slow burn, it will take five years to to deliver, but my God, it will build your brand for the next decade or so. They're gonna say, I don't trust you. Why should I trust you now? You know, kind of you'd be, you, you, you know, kind of, you, you know, you, you, we've lost, we've lost faith in you whatever. And from what I've seen as well, Chris, that since I started writing the book, since I started researching and writing the book, I have not seen one CEO of a major advertising agency come out and make the argument for advertising's economic value. I have not seen one article nor think piece by an advertising agency to come out and make the, the argument for advertising's commercial purpose. But we are deluged, deluged by advertising's luminaries redoubling doubling down on advertising's social purpose. Okay. Good. So the only, the only article, the only time campaign came out for the economic value that advertising can, can bring to the post-COVID recovery. They featured 12 interviews with 12 CMOs, but there was nobody representing the advertising industry. And the only time the advertising industry has been been represented by in-campaign was a paid-for article by the president of the IPA, you know, a paid-for promotional article. They didn't even give in the editorial legitimacy respect to run that piece. So I think that if, the, if we're not making that case, if it's not a go-to-market proposition, then, then uh, the CFO and the CEO are like, well, where are you? I need, I need you to pu- fulfill your function. And that is to grow my market share, to increase my profitability and boost consumption. And nobody's making that argument, not in public anyway.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, it's crazy um oh, and I, I don't know do, do you have any any thoughts of how of how to of how to fix it though <laughs>
1: um, my my argument would be that either secretly or discreetly actually not secretly or discreetly i think they, <laughs> that there should be a realization that this is advertising's primary purpose i am not saying that social purpose is, it, it isn't an either or It is not an either-or. There are, as you have found, you've you've found when you were doing good advertising, the course. There are numerous great examples of how social purpose can generate revenue, you know, kind of brilliantly. Um, But I think that the balance that the, the the advertising industry is over exaggerating the efficacy and the importance of social purpose. And I think we need to get the balance correct again. People point Mm -hmm. to Unilever and its sustainable brands uh, initiative, sustainability program, which is great. It's wonderful. But out of 400 brands in the Unilever portfolio, only 28 of them are part of the sustainable brands initiative, which it kind of indicates that the people who know what they're doing as far as purpose is concerned have worked out that only eight percent of the brands in their portfolio have purpose as a goal to market proposition. Yeah. So, and, and so I, I, what I'm arguing for is that the advertising industry takes that on board from the people who are pretty expert in this and actually starts to reflect that and to play that to their clients.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I know um, it was interesting with with Unilever. <clears throat> Obviously, we talked about it a lot in, in our course. And I was reading some. Uh, there was a study. Dove comes up a lot. It's the one that everyone uses. Yes. Um, yeah. In uh, in Dove, they said uh, they said that there was a, a while when there were a couple of years when they actually stopped uh, doing the uh, stopped doing so much brand advertising. Um so with yeah. with Dove they they do I think it's it's around 60% of their budget seems to be spent in, in brand building, which is around the kind of for yeah. Dove it's it's real beauty. Um yeah. and then the rest of it is spent on tactical stuff showing you know this is Dove soap and it's pH neutral and blah blah blah. Sure. So very kind of normal salesy stuff. Um someone uh I think it was a few years ago, I can't remember the the exact year, um i have to relook look it up, but they stopped doing uh, more of the brand ad stuff and just said, okay, let's just focus on the very functional stuff. Um, no, I- and they, they, within six months, they started seeing quite a, quite a big drop in in mentions and sales. And so they started the brand stuff up again and in, in they put a McKinsey on the case to do a, a oh, right. survey and they, they found yeah. that, um, yeah, it was for every $1 they were spending, they were making $4.26. On the, yeah. on the brand building side of things, which was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, as, I think as you say, they're kind of, you yeah, know, that brand is very is 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 a little bit unique in that they've 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 stumbled upon something that was pretty good, and they were first to market with it as well. Um, yes. There uh, there are only so many so many positions you can take, I guess, in in the market. Uh, so well, if, I, th- I think so.
1: The whole point of branding is that you you seek to differentiate yourself. Correct. Everybody is yeah. differentiating, everyone is <laughs> adopting a social purpose stance yeah. and it, it really will be difficult to do so. I mean, I, yeah. in my book, I comment, I, I comment on the number of people who who sponsored uh, gay pride in, in, in London. And I think yeah. the, the, the list ran to over 20 major brands. Um, Most of whom, it would it would be very difficult to find a direct link between what that brand, uh, between that brand, its positioning, its Mm. its, product, its positioning, and its and and the people it's sold to, and the purpose that they were, the momentarily, and
0: um, uh, linking themselves to. Tell you what, I'd love to know. Actually, you wrote this brilliant book. Was, I read it. Um, I think it was the end of last year. A friend of mine uh, recommended it to me on Howard Luck Gossage. Is it Gossage hmm. or Goss Gossage? Gossage. 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 Yeah. Um, incredible ad man, um, and I, I, one of the one of my favourite copywriters. I think as well. Yeah. Incredible, yeah. incredible writing. What What do you think he would do to, <laughs> to to make all this stuff? What would you think he would make of it?
1: Well. A, I, I kind of, people ask me what would Gossage do as if I could possibly tell. I mean, he was such a brilliant guy and such a, such a, a very intelligent and maverick thinker that I couldn't see possibly, you know, kind of uh, speak for him. But I think that he had a very healthy um, cynicism and, and uh, um, approach to big business. And I think he would have seen through a lot of the the, the, the fig leaf of uh, of, of uh, purpose, hiding some fairly you know kind of um, rapacious commercial you know kind of intent. You know, and I think he would have stayed clear of a lot of the big brands who who were pretending to be doing good for good advertising. Yeah. Um, but but I mean Howard got out of the industry, he, he realized that he had a, he was very good at what he did. And when he realized that, it, that what he did wasn't compatible with his beliefs, he actually got out of the industry, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, and dedicated his talents to um, the environmental um, causes um, of, mm-hmm. and, of, I mean, he, of friends of the earth, which he helped found, um, and, the, and the, 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 the emerging green movement. So I don't know what he would have done, but I think he would have kept, he would have used a barge pole when the big corporates came talking to him about, uh, well, Howard, we've got, what do you think our social purpose is this week? Um, (laughs) Which I I fear that that's what it will be. I think that that, that the the big corporations will move on. Um, There's a, the... Tim Lindsay says that he's not, he doesn't care that some of the entries to DNA D are greenwashing um, mm. and wokewashing, washing, because at least it means that they're, they're, the, that brand is moving in the right direction. But this is a dreadful approach to take because it casts doubt upon any of the legitimate social mm. purpose work that wins. Um, mm. and the good legitimate social purpose work that wins. And this is a time when Advertising now ranks, you saw that, I'm sure you saw the, the, that, that survey. Advertising now does rank beneath politicians. We are the bottom of the ladder, yeah. bottom on, on, of the ladder when it comes to public's trust. So you, we've got to be so careful about, yeah. about holding clients to their feet to the fire on this, you know, and, and, and it, it does matter. If they're woke washing, it does matter if some of the work, as Tim says, some of it's scams. But he doesn't. That's okay. You know, yeah. at the end, do not justify the means. You know.
0: I agree. I mean, I, I've been really. I, I feel happy. I mean, in a way in that um, I know with with lions in particular, they've, they've kind of tried to, in the last two years, and I, think, I know for this for this next year as well. Um, they've try to be a, a lot more thorough on making sure that award-winning work is is effective so they've sort of yeah. uh you know they've they've quadrupled down on uh, on making sure that that the work is actually making money so my my prey and hope is that um when we look at i mean next year is going to be interesting at lions they're going to do two years in one in one yes. festival yeah. Uh, so that, that's the. No, I wouldn't want to be a jury on that. You'll be you'll be no, looking no. at work for, for sort of fifty eight hours non stop. I think. But awesome. um, I'm I'm excited to see what kind of work comes out of there. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm a massive optimist anyway. So I, I I hope we'll see some really good stuff that not only has yeah you know, perhaps tried to to be slightly positive or or is 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 good, but also has has made a lot of money for for brands. Um. The, sure. the thing, my my personal thing that I, I miss really is is a is a bit of the humor. I find yes. that um, humor in. I think Rory Southern made this made the same point earlier in, in the year during one of the Lions Live talks. He uh, he was saying what's what's the one thing you you miss, and I think he's he, he came up with humor as well. I mean I don't understand it in a way because humor is compatible with pretty much anything, um, and and especially where there's attention, uh, but. It doesn't you don't see it very much with any of this kind of purpose or good well, I think stuff.
1: The purpose driven work is pretty didactic. It's pretty, you know, kind of when when the when you're encouraged to be on the right side of history. That's a pretty right. binary approach to your audience, isn't it? So you're giving them a you're actually telling them very little of this is 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 ingratiating or charming. A lot of it is finger in the chest telling you Mm. uh, and then leaving you to infer from that that if I don't get on board with this, then I'm actually failing in my moral, you know, kind of uh, that I'm actually morally probably um, and ethically certainly ethically um, flawed. And it's not a great starting point for any form of communication, yeah. is it? You know, kind of stick yeah. your finger in someone's chest and say, you know, kind of, well, you 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 can either be on the goody side or the bad side, you know, kind of. Uh, and damn, and damn, I'm damn sure which side I'm on because I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, kind of. It's a hectoring, paternalistic, um, yeah, and a not particularly lovable or likable approach. Uh, Orlando Wood explains it by right brain and left brain thinking. Um, whereas right brain thinking is, uses nuance and metaphor and stereotypes. Well, we can't use those, sorry. So we, can't, we won't use stereotypes. But, but but humor and irony and all those wonderful creative devices that the right side of the brain has to, to presenting an idea with an idea, whereas the left side of the brain is, as I say, didactic, it's hectoring, it's analytical, it sees black and white, it sees one side of history and another side of history, and it tells you yeah, which side
0: yeah. you've got to be on or
1: else, you know, yeah. because so that's why I think there's very little humor.
0: Yeah, and it's that's well, such a shame because I, I i mean yeah, with everything i've experienced in life there's, there's never really a, a a yes or a no a right or a wrong i think in learning in particular we've got this kind of fashion, fascination with traditional education and you know that you're either right or wrong this is the answer and if you get it wrong no. then you know, you're you're stupid um with the courses that it's part of the reason why i started the company is a kind of the way that we do our courses is it's you're not we're, not necessarily it's about being right or wrong, it's about just having a go and having a thought process and then
1: yeah.
0: putting that down and then seeing what other people think. And um, the more you can kind of do that, the, the, the better things tend to be. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'm worried I'll go down a, 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 another wrong track with this conversation, but um, to get it back well, to,
1: yeah. Well, I think, I think that there's, again, it comes down to a lack of diversity of thought, that nobody is proposing that. Balanced view. No one is being asked. I mean, no one in the advertising agencies presents that balanced view. We are, we are. I mean, nowadays the Labour Party's natural home is the metropolitan uh, middle classes, and there isn't an industry that is that is more metropolitan and middle class than the advertising industry. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the statistics for for how London centric we are. Um, nearly 32,000 people work for the big six global agency groups in the UK and about 27,000 of them or 85% work in London okay so out of 32,000 people of the six big agency global agency groups 27,000 of them work in London 90% of WPPs 10,000 staff and Omnicum 6,500 people and 95% of publicist groups 5,000 employees employees work in London we live in a bubble and we all, we are, we are as, as Tenzer and Murray have indicated, demonstrably more left-wing than the mainstream. When Tensor and Murray did a did a poll of who voted for what in the last general election, if Tenzer and Murray's exit poll of the advertising industry had been put onto the nation, then Jeremy Corbyn would have had, a, it would have been Jeremy who had the majority of 60 to 70 seats. Yeah. so we're a metropolitan left-wing bubble we live in and nobody nobody challenges the group think that we think mm-hmm. the rest of the country shares
0: yeah 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 i mean i mean we've seen this playing out around the world in, in the last you know, few years um it's been kind of interesting so uh, hopefully pollsters and and industry will, will, will find ways to balance that a little bit more yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the sooner that that we realise, I mean, that that we should the, the old poster's adage of ignore what people say and watch what they do, is, um, is it seems to be forgotten by people mm. who, as David, do you remember David's old old quote that uh, using re, re, using research like a drunk uses a lamppost
0: no, no, for okay,
1: support, okay, for support not illumination. <laughs> I, think uh, I think that's what you'll find with a lot of the Edelman research that is trotted out and there's a yeah. recent research paper by K- KPMG uh, which is, talks about <laughs> seismic shifts in values and behaviours, um, you know, things that take cent- millennia to happen, you know, and KPMG said this has happened over the past six months. You know, yeah. that our values and our behaviours and our attitudes have shifted throughout COVID, you know, kind of. And then the, then the Office of National Statistics comes out with a survey yesterday, which says that uh, the new normal lasted for about three months. And the old normal, <laughs> and the old normal yeah. reasserted itself. And the new yeah. customer was replaced by the old customer, who was even more entrenched in his, in his normally, his bad habits yeah. uh, uh, than he was in March of, of this year.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. Well, anyway, a fun world that we live in. So um, any, yeah. uh, uh, what are your, I mean, to totally change it, what are some of your most favorite ads? Uh, what, are, what are some of the, it could be work you've done yourself, could be. Uh, oh, God. Could uh, be other work, could be just gen- generally brands. Are there any brands that you see in the in the world at the moment that you, you kind of think, are oh, they're, they're kind of doing well or doing interesting stuff? Good
1: God. Um. <laughs> It's, that, that that is that um, very difficult, um, very <laughs> difficult. Um, I, I I as far as my favourite work, I I no, I'm, I'm I'm struggling. I really am struggling. I like the BT work um, that 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 um, explain to people how to use uh, WhatsApp, how to, how, how to use Zoom, how to use whatever. And I thought that was a, a, an excellent piece of, of a continuation, in fact, of It's Good to Talk, which mm. was I, always one of my favorite uh, campaigns, um, and was social purpose. I thought that that was a great social purpose campaign because it, it, it persuaded, it was like it was social engineering. It persuaded yeah. men to speak for more than five seconds and to 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 be human answering machines, so that their wives could then take the call. You know, kind of that that was the problem. Um, and David Abbott and Bob Hoskins persuaded men to actually talk on the phone. That was in the nineties, and a wonderful piece of social purpose advertising. And I mm-hmm. thought that the work that that BT did at the at the beginning of of uh, lockdown mm-hmm. was was the was the natural extension of that in that it helped people it was bt as an enabler and actually providing something good in uh, you know changing people's lives for the better you know yeah. and it teaching you know, old buggers like me how to use WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah, and laughs> B- bt is a big phone company if anyone's listening uh, from not, not in in the uk but uh yeah any other brands you, you, you're admiring far afield or close to um
1: no, I'm struggling. I really am. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not as assiduous a student of the industry as I used to be, I must admit. I have been rather focused upon the, the whilst writing this book, the yeah. politics and the culture of it, and it's been yeah. difficult, I'm afraid. It, I would, I think I'd like to say that my inability to cite half a dozen examples of great work that I think yeah. works uh is almost substantiation for my argument
0: i, I think you're right I, I i used to write a blog on advertising for for years um oh. and I, I you know part partly it just all started getting overwhelming and um, not necessarily because my day job was was getting much harder it was just the the volume of stuff coming out nowadays is 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 insane um right. and it and the it is harder, I think, to to find good ads. If you you know, if I think of sort of Christmas TVs on at the moment, that's normally a good time to see lots of incredible commercials and yeah. I can't there's not many that kind of stand out or that 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 maybe go, ah, oh, like you know, I can't wait to tell my friends about that. Um oh. uh, which is a little bit sad. Um but uh yeah. Yeah. There was a
1: there was a um there was an, a, a, an article in The Drum which said, uh, how do we attract people, youngsters to the industry? Um, and there were, they, they asked about half a dozen luminaries, and not yeah. one of them said, to uh, give them the opportunity to do work that everybody will talk about, you mm. know, kind of, we should be aiming to do work that everybody talks about, you know, yeah. kind of, I remember uh, Trevor Beattie was in a podcast with Dave Dyne. He said, the only reason I wanted to get into the industry and I won't do his Birmingham accent was, was I wanted to do work that everybody talked about. Um, and, then, and I don't know whether it's... Is that still a, an aim for people nowadays to, to do famous work, you know? Kind of. and, so. and because we're diff- having difficulty thinking of any, uh, yeah. what is the obstacle to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder whether it, if I was to hazard a guess, I would say there's a lot of groupthink and there's a lot of overthink, possibly. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you you go into it more in your book anyway than <laughs> than, yes. than, uh, than what I, I can talk about. But, um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I, I love the, the re, you know, I, I guess looking at great ads was what brought me into the industry. And I think the that kind of idea of, i still believe that advertising at its best has the power to change culture to help shape society uh, it's a grandiose statement but i, I think you know if you, you're you're partly informing what millions of people billions of people around the world look at on a daily basis or listen to yeah. on a daily basis which is an incredible responsibility um, so the fact that 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 it has kind of laddered down somewhat I think for a lot of agencies very sadly, it's laddered down in the business importance of from, from big companies. Um, it, it's it's heartbreaking to see and it, it it's it's a real big challenge. I mean you've got most brands it looks like they're taking a lot of stuff in-house, especially with digitization of stuff because because it does become a bit more commoditized. Um, so is it is it kind of, shifts away a bit from creativity and more to kind of you know by how many cents does this banner ad cost me to convert to um someone buying a widget of whatever it is that i'm selling Um, it's inevitable that it's kind of continue to go away from ad agencies and more towards sort of in-house or just media buyers or using some machines to do it i i always thought it was interesting with agencies in the last few years when you, you've you seen them sort of going and turning into consultancies and things mm-hmm. um, I always wondered whether it was perhaps like that's the time to just go well let's quadruple down on creativity it's, yeah. it's a harder one maybe to it, it's not as easy an argument to say in a weird way I mean it is if you think about it but again because creativity is a bit harder to measure like Oh, but I don't know. I just...
1: well, it isn't. Not it isn't. If if you're mm. if you have it if it if you put it at the service of a commercial purpose,
0: you know, kind mm. of
1: it, it's very easy to measure. You know, mm. kind of if you adopt full funnel the full funnel approach to advertising, then as, as can still be done, but it's hard. It's difficult to do. Then you can measure it in the old brand tracking. Uh, uh, you know, kind of measures, and you can measure it at, at how many, how much stuff you've shifted. You yeah. know, kind of so, so creativity, if the servant of commercial purpose, is actually it, it, it is measurable, and it, and you can prove its efficacy. And this is what the IPA are mourning: the fact that actually the creativity that is being 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 displayed now is not commercially. Vi- not commercially viable, but it's not performing commercially. And I think that the idea is that unless the creativity is the servant of the commercial purpose of demand generation, then why would a client pay you to do it?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> And if you're not making that argument, you know, kind of, there was a wonderful quote from Ian Hartfield, who's the creative director at New Commercial Arts. And he said, um, I really want to make work that people see or experience in the real world. There's a bit of a bubble at the moment. There's an awards lens on that. And what I want to do is make work that everybody loves. I want my cousin in the Isle of Wight and my family across the country to love and see the work for it to be talked about at the bus stop and at water coolers. And i kind of, and I think that is, if I think if we can, I think if that attitude can be replicated across the advertising agencies of, of London then there is hope for us I think.
0: What an amazing amazing place perhaps to, to end it because I know we're, we're running out of time rapidly but uh, Steve it's been ridiculously incredible if you haven't already bought his book you need to go onto Amazon right away uh, search for Steve Harrison and buy any of his books but uh, uh, if you want to learn more about what we've just talked about today and, uh, and probably a lot more uh, look for Can't Sell Won't Sell um but yeah thank you so so much I really appreciate the taking the time out to chat to us and, and hope hope to meet up for a for a drink in real life uh, one day soon when we're allowed to
1: thank you and thank you good luck with good advertising I'm going to sign up for
0: it <laughs> thanks so much yeah ho- hopefully uh, you you approve um oh, yeah I'm sure I will I'll learn a lot thank you thanks Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you want to look up any more of Steve's stuff, uh, if you Google Steve Harrison on Amazon, you will find all of his books there, but uh, they're brilliant. Uh, and also if you Google, you might find some of his documentaries. They're pretty incredible too. Anyway, um hope you enjoyed that. Have a lovely week wherever you are and we'll be back again soon. So enjoy, stay safe and big love. Thanks. Bye.